Welcome to One Decent Pastor, a weekly podcast of The Door located in Central Oregon, where three completely average guys join forces to make One Decent Pastor and to discuss, discover, and promote all things Bible. Well, good morning. Howdy. Welcome to the first day of fall today. Is it really? Yeah, I just saw yeah. it on my on my feed this morning. So yeah, it's officially it autumn. Was like the solstice started fall last week. Autumn solstice. When I started lighting my woods. Yeah, when I... as soon as it got cold out, I thought it was fall, but <laughs> now it's official. So there yeah. you go. Another summer in the books. What's your favorite time of uh, the year? Today, fall. <laughs> I like fall. Fall's great, actually. Yeah, Fall's especially great. here, it's pretty, yeah, pretty it's nice. Awesome. Just to get the kind of the, I don't think you can call it that anymore, but the long extended summer kind of warmth going on. And mm-hmm. I was going to call it. I don't know if Indian summer's bad or not. I don't if know. If there's any Indians out there listening to us, tell us if that's offensive. I don't know. I don't think you can say that anymore. Probably not. But I no, think it's. We just said it. I know. Well, that's, there we go. <laughs> All right. Uh, today we're going to be talking about uh, denominations versus. Uh, non-denominational churches and we'll explain that more but uh, before we jump into that you have to say non-denom 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 versus non-denom non-denom bro (laughs) anyway hopefully uh, very sean penn yeah i think it's something the the door is a non-denominational church and people have wondered over the years what all that means so we're going to get into that so cult yeah anything Exciting announceable that we need to jump into before that because I was going to mention this uh, state of theology thing yeah. as well. I thought we weren't doing announcements anymore. <clears throat> Not announcements for that. Just good things going on <laughs> that you wanted to mention in your life, like last week, Lindy's birthday. That was oh. that was cool to hear yeah. about. Would you do? So, do you want to talk about how comfortable your your new shoes are? Well, I think we're going to get into that when we talk about the state of theology. So, <laughs> so we'll, uh, it, there's okay. a there's a new survey that that uh, just came I, out. I love every, how we just went past right well, past I'll the get, topic. I'll, I'll, I'll jump in. <laughs> there's a new survey that just came out every two years. Was that part of their finding? Was yeah, they more found people out that, in the that church one third those? one third of the pastors, no, thirty three percent of the pastors at the door now believe Crocs are an acceptable form of footwear. Nope. Yeah, and that's probably one of the most shocking statistics that came out of this survey. It is, dude. Did you yeah. ever see that rad meme that I have? It's that goth chick. She's like total like goth. And it's it's the Croc Martins, and so like Doc Martins. Oh, I have seen that. And they're like Crocs, and so it says Croc Martins, and she picks up the phone. She's like, "Officer, I'd like to report a crime." <laughs> it's just fantastic. <laughs> yeah, I got called out uh, the other night. My my son-in-law, uh, who I thought loved me. Oh, he does. Uh, well, when, I think he told us out of love for you. T- told yeah. you guys that I bought. Some, they're just for the, yeah. the around the house. And they're extremely comfortable. Actually, he was wearing so, a pair, which was. is what brought the whole he thing. He thought up. I was going to wear it as well. I didn't even notice Yeah, that. that's why I oh, started man. making fun of him and, like, making fun of his shoes. And then he's like, oh. well, Brent wears them. And I was like, it. okay, wait, what did you just say? Yeah. Just started. They're comfortable. Do you, do you put the little trinkets inside the holes? Didn't even know that was a thing. The little, I don't know what they're called, but... Like you can get little things that fit inside the holes, like a little cat or like a, little you know, plugs, Ooh, teddy bear, a little cat, you know, whatever. Yeah. yeah, no, no, they're just to wear around the yeah. house. Simple shoes. This just gets on. better and better. Yeah. My daughters did that with their Crocs when they were twelve. So, okay, <laughs> it's good. Just saying, it's good to know. Okay, <laughs> okay. <sighs> See what I have to what I have to endure. We've no, gotten a thumbs no. up already. I'm assuming that's that has to do with the Crocs. I'm Are, sure it does. It could be because they like Crocs or because they hate them. I right. used to make fun of them a lot. My brother had a pair, and I, I, I 
berated him for it. And so I understand where you guys are coming from. Until I bought a pair and put them on and went, oh, wow. (laughs) These are very comfortable. I'll bet there's other shoes that are non-Crocs that if you tried them on, they would be just as comfortable. They're waterproof. There's some good things about them. They have holes in them. They're not waterproof. They have four-wheel drive. That's for the bottom. We found out. Yeah, they have four-wheel drive. Mine do, yeah. (laughs) So uh, every survey, every two years, a survey is done by by Ligonier and Lifeway Research that comes out. They poll adults in the U.S., and then they separate the data out into what evangelicals believe. And they classify evangelicals. There's four questions, I think, that they use to make sure that what they consider to be an evangelical. So the Bible is, you know, the highest authority. Jesus' death is the only sacrifice. Um, faith in Christ alone is how we get sa- saved. And then um, evangelism. So that if you answer positively or strongly agree with those statements, they, they put you into the evangel- evangelical category. But then the stats that came out as far as what evangelicals believe in 2022, uh, some of it was just stinking alarming. And so I thought just kind of run some is of these. Is it really, though? <clears throat> I mean, it's well, horrible. Some it's, of it was pretty depressing. If you if you no, believe that the Bible is the highest authority and that you know Christ is the the only way, and then to answer positively to some of these things was yeah, yeah, yeah. so. A couple mm-hmm. things were, were encouraging. Ninety one percent believed abortion is a sin. Ninety four percent believed sex outside of marriage is a sin. But then it started to get kind of weird. Like forty eight percent of people that call themselves evangelicals believe that God learns and adapts to different circumstances, which is called open theism. Yeah. Which is not biblical. <clears throat> no, right. it's it's uh, kind of terrible to think that God doesn't really, he's not in control. He just adapts to whatever, you know, comes his way and is figuring, making it up as he goes along. Well, or, or once again, man is the center of right. everything and, and God just learns and adapts right. to Le- us. Learns and adapts to us. But almost yeah. half, almost half of the people that call themselves evangelical Christians and evangelical in the, in the, not in the political sense. I know that word's right. gotten hijacked right now, but in the, you know, biblical uh, well, I don't know how to say that. The, the religious sense. Yeah, in the religious sense. That's yeah. a better way to say but, it. <laughs> but again, not surprising when you consider that people lead with, with their own reason yeah. rather, rather than a th- actual authority of, of the Scripture. Well, the, right. they say that the Bible is the highest authority, but then that's, the, the that's answers, my point. The answers right. didn't and then it's not. <laughs> yeah. they, they can confessionally yeah. say that, but practically um, they, they don't believe it. 56% yeah. believe God accepts the worship of all religions. Over, over half. 50, yeah, that's 56, a big number. Big number. 73% believe Jesus is the first and greatest being created by God. Oh, 73% wow. of people called ev- that say they're evangelicals. Gosh, how many Jehovah's Witnesses do we have? <laughs> 43% believe Jesus was a great teacher, but that he was not God. Uh, 65% believe that everyone is born innocent in the eyes of the Lord. Yeah, that one That one. Uh, yeah. was weird to me. Yeah. And it's not surprising, because again, yeah. reason and just the secular... The secularization of the church, like that's just a natural, you know. Yeah, that's just a natural yeah. thing. But, but there's got to be a correlation to some of these statistics and in, in what's being taught yeah. in churches all around and what's being preached. I mean, there's oh for sure, you know, for sure. There's there's a connection. For sure. Yeah, I mean, and that I, would include obviously that we're neutral too, like that we're born neutral. I mean, that's obviously like we're born innocent, but like even the idea that we're born neutral is uh, hogwash yeah, biblically. I yeah. agree. Yeah. Yeah, vipers and diapers, I think, yes. Uh, 55% believe worshiping alone or with one's family is a valid replacement for regular church attendance. For sure. Kind of surprised to higher yeah. based on what we've seen. Right. <laughs> and 37% believe that gender identity is a matter of choice. There's just a lot of kind of surprising things, but it, it just kind of reminded me that our work is cut out for us. Yeah. Um, it, it seems like we teach 
the same things over and over and over again and and sometimes it gets through and sometimes it doesn't and i don't know it, it doesn't mean that you know god's not in control and the church isn't going to thrive still but it was it was kind of surprising to see and every every year no surprise or every two years they do these mm-hmm. the stats get a little a little more wonky right they kind of trend <clears throat> in the same direction yeah well and a reminder that not all who attend church are the church right <laughs> yeah yeah but it's just weird to see how culture, you know, impacts what people believe and what they ex- accept right. as true and all that. So um, anyway, I appreciate that uh, we hold fast to the Word of God. Not We don't just say we believe that it's our world, highest authority. fashioned but, but we actually yeah. do submit to the authority of God's Word <laughs> and teach it. And so praise God that, uh, you know, I have pastors in my life that, that aren't compromising, that are holding fast to the truth. Yeah. Amen. So I appreciate that. I read an article but, yesterday um, I can't remember who put it out, but it caught my attention, and it was about, uh, the title was something about being polyamorous and being Christian, and so polyamory would be like three people in a relationship, so so instead of a couple, you have a thruple. Anyway, it caught, caught my attention, and this, this lady just kind of unpacked her, her journey of growing up in like a fundamentalist Christian home, kind of maybe extreme in that regard, um, and how she moved away from fundamentalism, but has tried to maintain her faith over the years and has now found a church. Um, I can't remember. Well, it wasn't a church I was familiar with, a denomination that I had heard of or anything, but that they um, affirm polyamory and the Christian faith. And it just was this interesting, you know, just kind of speaking to the cultural moment that we're in, um, how you can say on one hand, like, I believe these things that are completely against the Bible, yet I'm still yeah. holding on to my Christian faith and calling myself a Christian. So, <laughs> and, so, and so denominations are still being formed. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. Grace, I wonder if they accept the wearing of that Crocs. <laughs> I think that was a hard no. We should start church Polyamory, Crocs. yes, Crocs, no. That's <laughs> yeah, still still won't go there. <laughs> Haven't compromised to that degree yet. By the way, if you want to check out that that uh, um, the data that I, we were referring to, it's called the State of Theology. Uh, you can actually even take the survey. It doesn't tell you anything. I wanted to take the survey and have it say, like, are you a pastor at the end? You know, right. or, you know <laughs> compliment me or give me something right. I could post on a Facebook, but it doesn't do that. And you can create your own survey. So if we wanted to do one for our church, mm. we, could, uh, we could create one and have people take it and find out... <laughs> What 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 we're doing here exactly? Or, I don't think I want if to. If we're getting through, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it might be depressing to find out. We might find that everybody wears Crocs except you and me, David. <laughs> that we're wasn't one of the questions. That. We might. <laughs> so, be good. so the topic for for uh, today, the the other topic is uh, denominations um, and non denominational churches, uh, because there's a lot of different churches out there. And so, first off, I'm just going to ask you guys, what is a denomination? What what does that mean for people that might not know? It is the face value of a banknote, coin, or postage stamp. <laughs> In regards right. to the church, but what might it be, though? It is a recognized <laughs> autonomous branch of the Christian church. Okay. Of the Christian church. Recognized autonomous branch. I don't know. It's just the first definition yeah. that popped up. There's uh, probably a better one. Generally, yeah. some kind of a church organization, I would say, yeah. that um, they, they exercise some authority over the, the local churches that that compri- they know that are comprised of that denomination. Yeah, and probably like centered around a statement of faith or something like that. Yeah, something. So, what would be some examples of well-known denominations? I mean, there's tons of them, but Lutherans, yeah, yeah. Presbyterians started with Lutherans, Methodists, Baptists, Roman Catholics. Yeah. That's you know, there's yeah. there's, there's tons of well-known, yeah. you know, they're kind of worldwide, and then they have you know branches right. all over the place type of thing. Yep. Um, a question that comes up a lot is why are there so many? Hmm. Now, this is a big because people discussion. are sinful. <laughs> <laughs> like we can't get along, <laughs> right? We can't. We can't. Well, and even just you know, 
I'm bumping my thing here. Um, you know, going back to that state of theology thing that like beliefs are all over all over the map. Um, you know, we, we can't even agree on how to interpret the Bible, mm. right? And so actually, that that is the reason why. Yeah, is yeah. because our interpretations vary yeah. on on biblical things. Yeah. Right, and then that carries into so many different avenues. That's the weird thing is we can yeah. all sit around and go like, "There's there's one authority for the church, and this is it, yeah. and we can agree on that, and we can mean it and believe it." But then there's this whole other part, which is how we interpret or extract what what is author- authoritative. So sure. that's that's where they come from, right? Yeah. Ultimately. So yeah, and, and like there's there's times when you need to draw you know a theological line in the sand. Yeah, you know, there's there's definitely you know those times, but I think just the fact that we have so many denominations kind of speaks to, like, we don't even know where, when those times are. Right. Um, you know, we, we just, you know, we, we divide because we can't seem to get along. We can't seem to interpret the Bible all the same way uh, and come under the same authority. Yeah, there would be some some that we would classify as Christian denominations um, based on their, their belief, even though we would vary in some things, maybe like right. spiritual gifts or church government. Um, you know, some of the practices like that methodology and, and things like that. And, and people do separate over those things. Um, but then there are some that we would just flat out say aren't Christian um, based on what they right. believe. Like, yeah. you know, if somebody that doesn't believe Jesus is God, we would move them outside of the camp yeah. of what's, yeah. what we would consider to be an orthodox, you know, Christian. So like the denominations yeah. we mentioned, or most, most of the mainstream traditional den- denominations, we would all classify as the body of Christ, right? Like, because the the essential, they would be confessional, uh, at least at one time. Well, <laughs> they were confessional. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so the, there were, the essentials were agreed upon. It was it was really what what you were just saying. Um, it was minor differences that pushed them out into their own little sandbox, like church government. How should that be done? Like who's ultimately responsible in the church? Is it congregational? Is it uh, a you know presbytery? You know, or it would be sacraments. Even it would it would be how those right. are to be administered. Mm-hmm. Who's baptism well, for? And, who's it not for? So. And, and at some point, you get to the the, the Christ alone portion of it. Um, you know, Christ alone by by faith alone. Um, because the Roman Catholics, for instance, even though they would say they believe in the work of Christ, they also believe that, that our works and what we do. So I did okay, mention... Okay, so Protestant denominations. I did, okay, I did mention the Roman Catholic... <laughs> Protestant denominations. So, so, and even to understand a little bit of the church history, you know, we, we had the apostles, we had the church moving along, um, and and there wasn't like a, a, a real distinct... Um, differentiation until probably around I mean there was but the one the great schism is what happened in around a thousand BC or sorry AD and that's where the Roman Catholic Church and the Eastern Orthodox Church kind of went two different directions and and Eastern Orthodox has kind of continued on there's there's you know different variations but the Roman Catholic Church went on until basically when when Martin Luther the Protestant you know Reformation happened and and he branched away from the Roman Catholic Church then there was a second schism Yes, another one. And so, so what you had is they were protesting. So when we call ourselves a Protestant church, it just it goes back to that idea that they, we, you know, protesting what the Roman Catholic Church was teaching at the time. And this, so then you had the Protestant religions that kind of or denominations that branched out of that, which Luther, immediately Lutheranism, disagreed on things, Presbyterianism. <laughs> yeah. yes. Imagine that. And, and, then, and then even you know that goes even further toward then you had the mainline churches with that like the united methodist a lot of those that became more liberal and then you know the the more conservative we would call fundamental or evangelical churches again not politically but so then you had the, you know every it, it just kind of has continued on uh, to be a lot of different churches which is kind yeah. of frustrating honestly uh, we'll get into that more when we talk about pros and cons i think but yeah. um but it's it's weird that we have so many well right? i mean i 
like it's hard for someone to look at that and not know that there's something wrong with that, right? Or that it's yeah. even like the intention. I mean, when you just you're probably going to go here, but when you just look at what Christ is praying in John 17, right, about us all being one, um, like it it doesn't look like that. And so you kind of you're you're like what's like what's up with this? Is he not doing his thing? Is he not in control? Mm-hmm. Um, and like you said, we'll get in because there are pros to this as well. Yeah. It's not, it's, so anyway, yeah, I'll let it go. All right. Well, so or even just you know, in our cultural moment, you know, you see, you know, kind of, you know, what historically we would consider the you know the liberal kind of kinds of churches or denominations are now you know progressive, um, in that that like they're just kind of bowing to you know cultural issues uh, and imposing those cultural issues over the Bible mm-hmm. and saying, well, the, it, it can't be this in the Bible because, like you know, if God really loves us, why would He say who who we can and can't have a relationship with? You know, things right. things like that, and this kind of movement of progressivism within. I think particularly some of the mainline churches, it's not exclusive to the mainline, but but you see a lot of the mainline denominations just moving in a very progressive, you know, kind of a direction. Well, that's where it starts to get confusing is because you have Protestants, Catholics, Eastern Orthodox. Eastern Orthodox in that that vein stayed pretty true to itself. Roman Catholic church has stayed fairly true to itself. But Protestantism is all over the map. I mean, everybody, everything that comes out of that umbrella is... It's a pretty wide variety of beliefs and, you know, um, some that I wouldn't even consider to be Christian at all right. at this point, like you said, but it, it does get confusing. Um, so denominations, basically some kind of a, an organized oversight under an umbrella of, of a name of some kind. Um, what's a non-denominational church? That's what we happen to be. So. It's a new wineskin. Non-denom. <laughs> The, the, the punk rock of churches. Yeah. <laughs> it's the punk rock movement. <laughs> so not necessarily tied to an organization, to any it's kind of... It's not tied uh, to something already known or established directly. So, you know, you're you're kind of you're kind of a new work. You're kind so of a no, new, no... Even no, though you're not a new work. No leadership, just anything goes, fly by the seat of your pants yes. willy-nilly. Yeah, do what you be. want. Uh, all the rules <laughs> go out the window. Yes. I think that's one of the knocks on it, as people that say. That is one of the knocks. That yes. they're, you know, they're just, they can do whatever they want. Well, it doesn't yeah, mean right. that there's no oversight that yeah. you know we still have elders you still yeah. in some ways it's not fair it might not be the best term i, I thought independent church might be yeah maybe a better the, term. the idea is like you're rewriting the rules like you're creating right. something new and um pretty much all non-denominational organizations i know would re- totally reject that like not, they're orthodox right like we're not creating something new we're not rewriting the rules so why well you're probably going to get here well, uh-huh. so why does why do non-denominational churches exist, and why is it appealing to that's, a lot of Orthodox yeah, Christians? That's the next question. So, yeah, well, I think it comes down in a lot of cases to just governance. You know that you know when you're part of a denomination, there's like a governance structure that you ha- typically would have to adhere to, and and if you're in that denomination, you know, fine. But you know, I think the appeal to non-denomination non-denominationalism. Uh, is you know kind of getting rid of some of that red tape and getting rid of some of the the structure. Not like in our case, you know, like we value accountability and we've talked about that a lot. And you're getting into you all know, the stuff now. All right, yeah. <laughs> Come on, <laughs> Jeff. Well, I'll just I'll just leave it at that then. <laughs> no, that's okay. Uh, that's that's the question. You know, what are the, what are the pros to being non-denominational uh, and why are they appealing to people? And, and you're yeah. already talking about some of them, so you yeah. can keep going. But that's the that's the next section. So yeah, well, there's something. Like independence is good in some ways and and independence isn't always good. And I'm sure we'll get into that as the conversation unfolds. But, um, you know, just some of the pros of non-denominationalism. (laughs) Non-denom. I can't say it either. I'm just going to stick with non-denom. 
um, yeah, yeah. So you, so you kind of, you know, cut through some, some of the red tape. Like I was part of a, a denomination growing up where, um, you know, the denomination owned the real estate, you know, and that just presented some issues in and of itself as we tried to do things and move forward, and especially when it came to selling and buying, you know, real estate to expand the church and things like that. And so there are those, those kinds of issues. Um, and then, you know, I think sometimes just, just even methodology in the way that we do church, you know, there's, there's yeah. an appeal to the non-denom crowd that, you know, we can, you know, kind of adapt to our culture in a good way, um, you know, to be relevant and, and not be stuck within, you know, a system. That's yeah. key. That maybe so usually take account for that's, the culture. that's totally key. Like when I was thinking about this this week, that, that is really what it came down to, to me, as far as the biggest, um, like benefit, like the reason why non-denomination, non-denominalism <laughs> is a thing, and and that it's a, a a good thing is because a lot of the a lot of the mainstream denominations are are stuck in tradition. That's what makes them. That's what allows them to remain what they are, mm-hmm. um, distinct. Right? There's distinctives, right. and so when those distinctives start to take precedence over what God is doing here and now around the church, um, there's there's a schism between those two things, between protecting traditionalism or moving forward and changing, evolving, adapting as a church, not theologically, simply methodology-wise. Right. And so, like, I, I, re- I really do believe that that's the biggest thing, is a non-denominational expression allows you to hold on to orthodoxy, not tradition, but orthodoxy as far as theology and adapt to what it is that God's doing in front of you right now, being the culture, and I know this could create a whole nother bunch of arguments and controversy, but I, I just believe it's true. You know, being all things to all men, and, and the church moving through history, allowing us to move with it. Yeah, if you, the idea yeah. of having uh, a governing authority outside, maybe they're they're based in a in a large city, and they're telling all of the churches in a small, like a place like us, you know, how how to do things, the best way for us to do things, kind of setting the parameters and rules. It, it's, it doesn't make a lot of sense because it's going to be very different in our context than maybe their context. Yeah. And so the idea of self-governance is appealing. You know, we can make decisions on the fly. And we're, you know, as leaders in this local body, we know the sheep. We know the situations. Right. We know, you know, we can we can adapt to what we have going on right in front of us. And, you know, obviously, spirit-led. Right. Instead you know, of some dude in Rome telling yes. us how we need to do things right. here. Yeah. Yeah. So and like, it, our, oh, go ahead. No, you're fine. Go ahead. Our situation is is this exactly like when we planted the door is we came out of another church we didn't just self-appoint ourselves and and uh run off and say we're gonna we're gonna show you we're gonna go do church better than you like it was it was a joint effort they sent us we had their blessing um we had their support but but we knew because there was a time when it was like okay do they have their fingerprints on this do they have their how, how how hard do they have their thumb pressed onto this and we all came to the conclusion that they shouldn't have their thumb pressed on it at all, that they needed to really open their hands and let us go because this was a different demographic in a different place, reaching a different kind of people that they really didn't know how to, for lack of a better term. Well, and I would argue that if they would have been hands-on, um, it, it wouldn't have worked. Agreed. Um, it wouldn't be the same church it is Agreed. today because it would look just like their church. Agreed. And, and, and again, not that their church is bad. Agreed. It's just they're they're reaching a, a you know a demographic and a people that yep. they, you know that's the whole reason they yep. send us out is to try to reach somebody else and praise well, god to their credit right. yeah they allowed it to happen that way yep 
Yes. Especially when you know who was at the helm at that time. That was mm-hmm. a risky move for him. And it was, he a, did risky, it anyway, it was so. a risky move. And yeah. so, no, it, like totally credit those guys for doing yeah. what they did. Yeah. Yeah. And all that's not to say that, that, you know, that we don't have affiliations and connections. You know, I think we've been really intentional right. about making sure that, you know, we're known in the community and, you know, part of the, you know, the ministerial associations or whatever, that, you know, that there is connection and yes. accountability. So it's not that, that the whole drive of non-denom is to, to get out no. from under, you know, connection and accountability. Um, you know, we, we do have that, but we've had to be really intentional. So that would be one of the it. cons, uh, not to jump into the cons yeah. already, but since you're there, we'll just go, we'll just run with it. But one of the cons of being non-denom is no authority, no accountability. Yeah. And, and that's a, that's a serious thing. When you look at some well, of what's... Well, it doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't. It, it, but it, oftentimes it is. You, right, need, right. you need to, well, we've, we've tried to build in, and this is what you're talking about, we've tried to build in some of that because yes. we don't have it naturally. But, but churches that don't have that, it's a pretty scary situation right. when you've got one guy that's kind of calling the shots and no real accountability or authority over them. You can go, you know, right. you, you can get out in the weeds in a hurry and, and start to... We've seen it, you know, we, yeah. we've seen it over and over again, even recently. So what have we done to try to combat that well our, our church government the way the way that we're set up is as uh, our leadership framework that we adopted and put in place is 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 to fly in the face of that is to not allow us to just walk into that which is so easy so it, in some ways i would argue that we're more grounded and accountable as some denominational groups because a lot of those denominations are set up with one dude at the helm <laughs> doing whatever he wants, even though he's a part of a bigger organization, we're here, like, we, we have a, a plurality, literally, like, in all of its fullness, um, keeping each other in order and keeping us orthodox, keeping us on track, right? So it's, yeah. anyway. So the, the fact that we have multiple co-equal yes. elders, mm-hmm. which we believe pastor and elder is the same thing. So in other churches, even though sometimes they have an elder board, so there's a lot of independent or non-denom churches that have an elder board, but they have one guy that's the head or the lead guy, and and not always, but a lot of times, kind of what he wants is what happens. So even though you've got right. the, the appearance of something that has accountability, it doesn't always work that way. Where we we really do have you know co-equal, we do pastors. Yeah. So what's cool is we have that layer on the inside, but then we've also maintained and created the layers on the outside, yeah. right? Of networking with other pastors whom we respect. So we don't have to do that as a non-denominational church, as an autonomous organization, but we choose to yeah, because right. of the value of what that, what yeah, that brings. Yeah, Chad so, referred yeah. to that, but we've tried to develop yeah. meaningful, accountable relationships outside of this church with, with a bunch of the guys uh, in the Valley, Western Seminary guys mm-hmm. that we know, pastors that we know, with the, with the hope that if we ever started to do anything that was weird— we, we know there would be several guys, uh, even yeah. some of the guys listening to this podcast right, right now, <laughs> thinking of Chris, if you're out yeah. there, there's guys out there that we have, we're accountable. We've to. handed them the spanky stick yeah. and said like, you like use it, <laughs> use it if you would to. welcome them, you know, yeah. and expect them to, to say something to us as well as our congregation. I, I tr- we try to be very open and, and transparent with the people that are in our midst so that if, if we ever said or did anything that was, that was weird, we would expect mm-hmm. to be challenged on it. Right. Um, because we do really, we really do want to be under right authority and under accountability. So, so I think the point is like just because you're non-denominational, like in, in title or whatever, and identification doesn't mean that you have to be rogue or um, un, unaccountable. Yeah. Like, like not safe. You can be very safe and and even very very orthodox. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I think you know again, it just requires some some intentionality, you know, on the yeah. part of, of the non-denom folks out there because it, it would be easy to not invite that in to the circle. 
know, well, and there's and probably to not have some, that. That could be some other motive. Right? Yeah, there could be a motive for that. Right. I could see where somebody would want that. You know, if you're not looking for accountability and want to do what well, you we've want, we've seen it, right? right. Yeah. yeah. So that is a legitimate concern about them. Sure, sure. As far as other other pros, though, can you think of other pros to to being non-denominational? I think we said it. I think it allows you so much freedom um, missionally, like um, as far as how you um, reach the culture um, around you. I, I I think just so many of the restrictions to so many like you can't do that. Um, can be gone if God is actually leading you to do it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And you don't have the red tape that you have to, you know, pull mm-hmm. off of you before you actually start doing it. So. Right. Yeah, the other one that I thought of, and I think it's it's just kind of cool the way it works, is that um, every denomination out there, I think, has some something cool going for it. You know, something that's uh, even, even some of the ones that we wouldn't necessarily go to or recommend people to go to that are more maybe charismatic or whatever. Uh, but, but when you have a, a church like we have here, you end up attracting – a little bit of everybody and and you get a kind of more of a fullness so in a lot of churches it's everybody's just kind of like you and and so you might be really good when it comes to theology and and the word of god and teaching but but maybe not so good with you know being sensitive to the 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 work of the holy spirit and and when you have kind of a a bigger sandbox for everybody to come and and join into and play in you get a more well-rounded church i think Mm -hmm. so it allows for more expressions yeah of the church not that I mean, actually, that that is what denominationalism. Why do I keep trying to even say that word? Gosh, none of us can the say the D word. Like, like that's that's what a, a that's what that is too. Like when you when you look at Methodists and Baptists, you're looking at different expressions, yeah, um, in ways of the church, but but infinitely more when you start looking at the individual expressions mm-hmm. of not a name. Nom- Oh, indie, indie. <laughs> well, and I think too, you know, just, you know, culturally, you know, there's a lot of people that would say that they have a problem with organized religion. Yeah. Right. And, you know, like, I don't think we would say that we're disorganized religion as a non-denominational church, but, but the, you know, I think there's an appeal from a missional perspective of being non-denominational, at least to some, sure. um, because, you know, maybe they had a bad experience in this denomination or that, you know, or however they grew up or, you know, whatever. Um, but there, there can be some kind of an appeal to you know, non-denominationalism because of that. Well, that's why that sometimes tradition for the sake of tradition is just silly. I mean, you know, you continue on down this road that you've gone down all these years because it's the way we've always done it. And, and it does get, you know, there's kind of that man-made element of some of these right. things that is a problem. But I would also argue that one of the cons to being non-denominational is a lack of tradition. Sure. You know, that's something we don't, you know, it's something we've learned over the years that there is something kind of, kind of cool about some of the tradition that's gone on right. in the church for a long time yeah. and and we miss out on that every you know a little bit maybe. yeah there's some things that yeah. shouldn't be lost like we don't need to trailblaze we don't need to burn down the whole forest yeah just because we're non indie so um but but what you're saying um with the traditional denominations like i i saw this um there was a time i was looking at astoria for whatever reason long story won't go into it for a church plant and so when I went in and I started like looking at church culture there and what was there, it, it was basically made up. That whole city was made up of your basic, you know, 31 flavors of traditional denominations. Um, and they were all dying. They were, they were all generations that hadn't added um, or infiltrated younger generations. And so they were all literally dying. There were dying buildings, dying congregations, dying people. And that's, that's the reality to me, I think. Not, not always, but in large part of the, you know, traditional denominations is that their tradition has them stuck to where they're, where they are not able to um, replenish, yeah, <laughs> and disciple 
and multiply um, their denomination. So, yeah. Well, and I would say, in fairness, when we started the door, we were kicking against traditional church in a way that we, we didn't want anything as far as anything that resembled traditions. And so we, we kind of kicked against that for a long time. And, and now over the years, after 11 years, we, we have some traditions, and, and I like them. Um, yeah. And again, we always want to be mindful that we don't just hang on to them for the sake of hanging on to them. Do they make sense? Are they still, right. are they building up the church? Are they glorifying God? Uh, but it's kind of cool that we actually have some now, and, and I think, you know, it'll continue to develop. Yeah, traditions can be good. That they're, you know, to your point, David, I think there comes a, a point where traditions can, can become irrelevant. Yeah, if it's a crossroads right. of, of growth and actually what we're supposed to be doing, then we, we need to weigh those right. traditions. Well, and they can and even become an obstacle. Yes. Um, yeah. you, you know, you, you don't want to put an obstacle between yeah. a person and, and Christ, and, and a lot of times these traditions do. Right. Did you um, say obstacle? Yeah, it's, oh, brother, never mind. <laughs> Obstacles in their <laughs> path? Uh, yeah, I, I yeah. missed that reference. Sorry. No, that's all right. <laughs> um, but, I'm, you know, even even silly stuff like hat wearing and, and things like that, There's that that's probably a bad example of a tradition, but, I mean, there's things in the church that we um, we need to just get over right. and, and, right. and not, you know, it's, it, you're actually creating a problem right. when, when somebody comes in and, and now they can't even, you know, hear well, the church, message of church the gospel of Christ, yeah. you shut it down. Like Church of Christ, the church that I grew up in, like one of their distinctives is acapella. Like yeah. mu- music's like not of God. Actually, it, it, it is fine Monday through Saturday, but not when we come together in a worship service. Like mm-hmm. God would have nothing to do with instruments. Right. Yeah. And, um, and we see, some offshoots of that. We know a guy down in Lapine that is an offshoot of the Church of Christ, but that's one of the things that they've implemented is like, this is ridiculous. Like this, and it's really hard to attract or even gain people, you know, over, over something like this, because even non-believers know that this is a stupid thing to die on. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and so they've it. implemented music and they're an offshoot of this other, and, and that's a good, that's to their favor. Yeah. Right? Now, some of it makes us just look weird. And, and, and again, I think taking an objective look every once in a while at what, what the church looks like and what we're doing is a smart thing to do because sure. I think we just get used to it mm-hmm. and somebody else can walk in and feel like they've stepped into a time warp. Well, Paul did this, right, with the Corinthians, yep. you know, chapter 12. He's like, you guys sit around, you're just babbling, you know what I mean? And like, what's the outsider think when he walks in here? You know what I mean? Like, you need to think about how you're doing some of these things that right. you, just because you've always done them doesn't mean you should be. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and that was the message to the, the first century church. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, good point. <laughs> Hadn't been around that long before that message became out. Sure. Came out. <laughs> so what about other cons maybe to being non-denom? Can you think of anything else that would be a, a negative thing about it? Uh, I mean, we've already kind of talked about it. Just isolation, you know, could be a con for the non, non-denominational church who, who doesn't want the accountability. Like maybe they, they just kind of want to go rogue and do their own thing. You know, that's not, not good. Yeah, uh, to be completely isolated as a non-denominational church, and I think of too just like the the pastor of a non-denominational church being isolated. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, one thing that we yeah, I think we all value is our connectedness just with other pastors. For sure, um, you know, just we can lick each other's wounds and share war stories, and, and though, like there's value e- even in that, um, and to be able to. Um, you know, just kind of walk through hard things together. And so, you know, the non-denominational church with a leadership that's isolated, that's just a rough way to, to do ministry. Yeah, and we see it all over, too. And it's, it's, it's really sad to see how many guys are just flat alone in this. Yeah. And, I'm, I'm, again, I'm so grateful that we're not that way. Yeah. yeah. We have each other. So I wouldn't, wouldn't want to do this. You know, obviously, ego, mm-hmm. ego to me is another one, like, uh, again, and, that, and it comes back to an accountability issue or a, a yeah. lack thereof. But there's a lot of competition that's bred from the idea like I'm, I'm going to do this right like nobody else is yeah. and uh, and a lot of you know uh, indie 
um, churches. See, Indy so, works because you've got <coughs> no, Indy. I'm, I'm down with Indy. Indy yeah. Actually, I like independent, but <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. yeah. Um, but like there, there's a lot of, there's a lot of competition that's, that's bred, um, instead of unifying the fragmentation, <laughs> right. you're, you're actually just making it worse because you think you're going to do it on a router level than everybody. Well, else, and that's the know? cool thing about denominations is you've got like, uh, I was thinking of CB Northwest. It's now called Ch- church venture, I think, but, but these guys, you know, I, my brother-in-law is in that group and they, they get on motorcycles and they, they. Mm-hmm. ride around all the different churches and pray for them and they try to stay connected they're actually you know that's one of the i guess one of the downsides to be an nd is lack of resources lack right. of you know uh, there, there's a lot that you can do better together than you can just all alone and so mm-hmm. that that's a definitely a strength on their sure. side mm-hmm. um the other thing i think is a is a con to being non-denom is uh, is that you're just kind of undefined i mean think about all the churches out there that have names that mean nothing and and whereas if you go to a well, not all, no, it's not true of all denominations, but normally if you go to a Calvary Chapel, which they would say they're not a denomination, but I would argue with that. We can get right. into that in a minute. They're the non-denominational but, denomination. Yeah, you kind of know what you're getting. <laughs> Whereas if you go to a church, like, and I'm not picking on it, but it's a local one called Living Waters. If you go to Living Waters, what are you getting? What is that, you know? I mean, Holy Spirit probably is, it's a reference there, but there's so many churches that you don't know what you're getting. Even The, the door's door. pretty bad. Yeah. And, and there's there's quite a few churches called The Door that actually use that name, and that, they're, that we're not, they're not even with. close no. to believing the same thing. It tends to be a Pentecostal name, we found out it's after the fact. It's a Pentecostal yeah. name, so we're redeeming it. <laughs> yeah, whoops. We're rad. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, the fact that denominations are a little bit more defined, but uh, what are some problems with denominations? Uh, red tape can be a problem with yeah. denominations. Um I just lost my train of thought. I had yeah, tra- else I mean, just we left. Already, yeah. <laughs> well, we already mentioned yeah, the, op- the opposite of the con. Yeah, <laughs> traditionalism is you know you can get stuck in that, and even hold on to it for no reason. Um, so it can actually you know keep you down instead of propel you mm-hmm. you what know about forward. So I would say stag st- stagnation. Yeah, um, is one of the things I've seen. Um, yeah. What about the associations yeah. with some of these these names? I mean, well, if you think about Baptist is a great example. Mm-hmm. Um, That's a bummer with like any. Even a non-denominational, uh, even an ND <laughs> church, if it's if it's around long enough, is going to have yeah. you know at some point some marks on in, in its file. You know what I mean? Like the like there's going to be you know things that were not so fantastic. You know, um, so I don't know if that's what you were getting at. Well, but, I'm just um, thinking. I mean, people, are, a lot of the churches right now are going out of their way to hide their affiliation with their denomination because of the baggage that exists. Mm-hmm. So that locally, there was the First Baptist Church downtown forever changed their name to Foundry, which I would argue might not have been, oh, well, I should shut up because people listen to this, but that's one of those names that kind of could go either way. I don't know if that's, a, anyway, but they changed it to get the, that name out of there because of all the negative baggage and, and connotations. Southern Baptists are going through it right SBC's now. SBC's questioning yeah. their affiliation. So, yeah. that, that's another non-denominational denomination, yep. SBC. <laughs> well, that's another, that's another con to denominations, I would say, is that they give the appearance of a denomination when there, there really aren't. So we learned that yeah. when we did the River so They thing. call those movements. Well, yeah. I mean, we thought <laughs> the we thought there between. was some accountability there because the SBC is this huge, right. you know, national denomination, and we found that there's no accountability at all. They're no. they're they're yeah. as independent as we are at the end of the day, and yeah. it was frustrating because we had a situation where we were hoping that some accountability would come in, and they were like, oh, we, "Our hands are tied. We can't do anything." Right. It's like, what's the point? So, how are they profiting off of functioning that way? In your opinion, well, there was there were resources available to them, you know, retirement programs and some of these things. Because you know, there was a point where they asked us, "Do you guys want to become SBC?" And we, you know, soundly 
right. said no to that right. because of other you know affiliation problems. But but yeah, it's it's the resources, and, and it's some also of that. a numbers yeah. thing, don't you think? In a way, yeah. it's like look look at how many people we got on our docket. You know, it's like yeah, yeah but sure. you don't. You know, that's the part we found out. Yeah, but you don't. Yeah. Well, so you've got that issue where you don't necessarily know <laughs> if it means anything or not. And then you've so the accountability got, was not It wasn't there. there. It was, there was an illusion of it, but it wasn't real. <laughs> and then you've also got the other problem that I would say is um, Lutheran or Presbyterian can mean a whole lot of things. Mm-hmm. So just because something's called Presbyterian, right, you know, you have to there. ask, or Lutheran, you have to say, well, which senate are you talking about? Which Is it good Lutheran or is it bad Lutheran? Are we right. talking about liberal Presbyterian? Are we talking about... And so... Those, those terms aren't necessarily helpful anymore. No. Right. Um, and I think a lot of people just associate whatever, you know, when right. you hear Baptist, just things pop into your head that aren't always positive. So, yeah. so I think the distinction now has to be, like, to clarify what branch you're dealing with or looking at or whatever has to be a confessional one, right? So there's all of those main denominations have a confession at one time right. that they adhere to. There's Luther's confession. There's Calvin's confession, the Presbyterian one. There's a Baptist confession of faith. And so you almost have to ask someone, like, are, are you a confessional Baptist? Are you a confessional Lutheran? You know what I mean? Um, because yeah. it's, it, there's just so many flavors now. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think another, you know, kind of maybe con of, of denominations Years ago, I, I was part of one of the non-denominational denominations, and you know, people would move from out of the area and come here, and they would, so they went to you know a Calvary Chapel in Southern California, so they moved to this area. And it's, oh, that, this is our church here, and then they would come, and it's like, well, this isn't the same as it is in California, um, and, and then like that became like a point of contention, you know, with kind of a contingent of people that it's not what they were expecting. People want McDonald's. Were, you know, yeah, yeah. They want it to be the <laughs> no same. No matter where they you know, go in the world, go. the menu's the same. And it wasn't yeah. necessarily a consideration of, you know, is, is the teaching biblical or, you know, things like that. It was like, this just isn't the same from what I came from, and I expected it to be the same. You know, yeah. Therefore, you know, it's a problem. We've had the opposite, where people thought we were at Calvary Chapel, that have come in here, spent even years and then to find out we're not a Calvary and leave. Yeah. They liked everything about it, which kept them here. But when right. they found out we, we right. didn't belong, out. we weren't affiliated, it was like, okay, like, see Does ya. this have anything to do with our view on end times? No, well, <laughs> no, I mean, it's just, some people are, are more, um, there's more allegiance to the name yeah. Yeah. than there is to I, I what's the actually to biblical, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, that's a good way to put it. Well, I think one of the biggest cons to denominations um, is the appearance of disunity to the world. And we already touched on that. But uh, when you, when it looks so fragmented, here's the body of Christ. You know, yep. you talked about John yeah. 17, you yep. know, how Jesus prayed for, for his church. And it's the fact one. that we are this fragmented and this disjointed and, and we can't seem to even get along within our own ranks right. is a sad state of affairs. And, and even the competitiveness, you know, the competition that, that exists between churches and it's just ugly. And I really love that uh, we've, for the most part, we really try to find common ground with the churches around sure. us. Are there things we can do together? Are there things we can we can come together and do? Uh, we're even talking about doing something right now, you know, with with a group um, coming up in October that probably isn't, you know, theologically a fit, but but there's a way for us to come together and do something that looks unifying and you know. And I love that we're doing that yeah. with CBC a lot now too. Sure. Yeah. That's one of the things I, I guess, you know, it's, it's been somewhat accidental, but it's been cool to see the way it, that the door is formed. Yeah. Uh, we, we tend to attract, you know, people that are Baptists come here and, yeah. and find a home. People that are, we even have a Lutheran yeah. in our midst, you yeah. know, so I mean, that's, I mean, that's pretty cool. <laughs> uh, but th- we seem to be able to get along well with just about um, any we do. 
Christian yeah. um, denomination. Yeah. Go, going back to the, the ugliness of the fragmentation, this is, this is part of what is the problem in light of what Jesus prayed in John 17. Like, I, I pray that they would be one so that the world may know yeah. that they are of you. Right. Like the, like the idea is that there's actually a testimony that happens. Right. And so when you look at the fragmentation, it's, it's easy to initially think like what in the world's going on and why isn't the Lord like holding this together, which brings us to another discussion, but almost every, um, like Protestant that I met that is converted to Catholicism. This is at the top of their list. When I ask them why I always am intrigued, like how in the world can you like be entrenched in Protestantism and then say, like, that's enough. I'm going to Catholicism, right? And this is number one, is the fragmentation of the church. They can't stand it. They think that there's something deeply wrong with that, um, according to what our scriptures say. So I'm going to go to a church that is is universal, right? As yeah. best as one can be, I guess. Um, so, um, but on the other hand, were you going to talk about maybe, are there any, pr- are there, I would ask you guys, are there any pros at the same time to the fragmentation that we've seen over in the church over history. I think when we, for lack of a better thing to call it, divide over the right thing. Yeah, sure. Right. When, when we draw our theological lines in the sand, um, you know, in an effort to, to maintain our fidelity to the Bible, right. And our allegiance to the Bible. I mean, that's, you know, that can be a good thing. Um, doesn't always play out like we don't always do it well. <laughs> Um, but but I think it can be a good thing when you know. Well, there yeah. are good reasons to divide. Yeah, I guess, sure. Unity sure. with unity without truth isn't really something we need. We Agreed. want to strive for. Yeah. And I think I think that's what the ecumenical movement has. You know, they tried to hey, we can all just you know play in the pool together. And it's right. like no, there's some things that if you, if if you there's, there's deal breakers in this. And so we want unity, but not right. not with you know. Well, even the truth. protest yeah. of the Reformation is a is yes. the prime example right. yeah. of that. Like the, like like. Ne- we need to break from this. Like but the other fragmentation yeah. point, I guess, that could be um, that, that God uses it for the, you know, I think of like even when, when Paul and, um, you know, Mark had their, their rift and they, they didn't get sure. along and they, they split up and they ended up covering more ground, even though the rift wasn't a good thing, the yeah. result ended up being a good thing. And so, so it's possible that we're able to cover more ground. Sure. Um, you know, I don't know how that right. works out practically. With different, but, I think we yeah. talked about different expressions even. And yeah. I think maybe we can cover more ground that way globally with with a multitude of expressions rather than right. just vanilla yeah well even menu. even if you just look at the two churches here in sun river you know sun uh, the community sure. bible church and us uh we're doctrinally there three? a lot well i mean the two, I, that, I'm the just, two that i'm going to one is more ecumenical honestly and yeah one's catholic so that yeah sorry but not sorry <laughs> <laughs> anyway um you know jeff what, what the cbc believes and what we believe doctrinally pretty much right down the line is going to be extremely similar and yet we're reaching Different demographics. Very different demographics because of the methodology of the church. And so so the expression in that regard is is extremely helpful. Yeah. We talked not long ago, this is like we talked about it in a different way, but we talked about um, um, deconstructionism and then how we kind of prefer the word like reconstructionism is maybe the positive side of that. And I feel like the church is constantly needing to reconstruct and reground, reform, um, reform, even on you know, not just mi- macro levels, but micro levels when thing as things get lost. And I think that's maybe the pattern that we see even with the church, even good ones, is they get lost. You know what I mean? It's, it's not that we um, are really good at staying. Um, it's, it's not like it's natural for us to stay 
in, uh, uh, um, gosh, what am I trying to say? Um, in line with, with truth, we're always prone to come off of truth, right? So there always needs to be a constant reforming and checking right. and examining and adjusting that happens. And I think that's a lot of what we see in church history with the fragmentation is just a, a lot of, uh, on, a, on a micro level, reforming that's constantly going on. I, I think God's doing that, actually. So. Yeah, agreed. Okay. Yeah. Well, and I, and I think that there's always that, that aspect that we, I want to be careful how I say this, but the church needs to be relevant to the current culture. Now, the gospel is always relevant. That doesn't change. We don't, we don't adjust or adapt the gospel message. But as far as the way we relate to people, um, we need to be thinking about that. And, and so yeah. reforming in that regard, you know, and, and we've already talked about a lot of that. But, but the cool thing is at the end of the day, um, in, in spite of all the stuff we've talked about, God will build his church and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. And, and we've seen that, you know, the church just continues to, you know, it's like a, an anvil that, um, a hammer that can't wear out. I can't remember how that saying goes now. Doesn't matter. Anvil that can't be worn about. Out. It's an anvil that can't be worn out. There's <laughs> there no go. hammer that can, yeah. that can wear it out. You know, the church will, will prevail. Mm-hmm. And so, um, that that's the good news. We can't mess this up, right. even though we've tried pretty <laughs> yeah. good. Yeah, we've made know. a good run at it. And yeah. I guess that's my point is like, even with the fragmentation and going like, what's wrong with this? This seems um, like com- completely counter to what Jesus was was praying and promoting. It it doesn't have to be like it. It, it there still is one church. Yeah, rest assured. Even yeah. if it looks like different things or has different affiliations, like there there's one church mm-hmm. that's still. Um, unified fully in the things that matter. So yeah, well, I think some, sometimes part of the the progressive movement right now, like the progressive Christian movement, is looking in at these things that we're talking about and saying, okay, the whole thing's broken, yep. and, and therefore I don't need to be a part of it. Uh, and then they, and I, I think of a couple people in my own life that I know that you know that's their perspective, and so they're kind of outsiders to the church. Um, and constantly looking in and pointing out the flaws. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, there are people that I would say have, have deconstructed or in the process of deconstructing, right? Sure. Um, rather than, you know, being an insider and, and working for reform from the inside, they're outsiders just, you know, constantly pointing out the flaws, and it's, it's not helpful. Right. And it's not good for them either uh, to have abandoned, you know, the thing that God loves the most. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's a, it's a tough thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good reminder that it's easy to bag on the church. It's easy yeah. to pick on even you know the den- denominations that are out there and the things we don't like about them. But at the end of the day, um, the true bride of Christ is yeah. is yeah. is precious. And, and I do it all yeah. the time from inside. Yeah. And part of the reason I do it, you know, I'm critical, ultra critical of the church and what it's doing and its flaws and all that stuff is because because I do love it. Like right. I, like I know I know how valuable it is to the Lord. But like the way that I do it is oftentimes um, not Christian. Right. And so um, I've always got to ask myself exactly what you just brought up. Like I can I can be a part of the problem. I can I can be a, a part of the, you know, the de-churched guy in my yeah. mindset because it's it sucks and it's got flaws or I can be a part of the yeah. solution. And, and, and what am I doing? Yeah. You know what there, I mean? There's a lot of the flaws that, that you know, the progressive Christians would point out that, that I don't disagree with at all. Yeah. Yeah. The solutions to those things, that, that's where we might diverge. But, yeah. you know, that, that crowd of people, um, you know, they're, they're pointing out some things that probably need to be pointed out, yep. but they just have a different perspective on, you know, the solution and how to, how to work at fixing these things. And it's, it's just a bigger part of just the cancel culture that we live in right now. And, right. Um, you know, Christ loved the church and he gave himself up for the church and, and, the, and the church will prevail. The church is going to be here in the end. It's mm-hmm. not going anywhere, even in all of its flaws and, and imperfections. And we're called to be a part of it, and we're called to love it. 
Well, and even, you know, we started out talking about the state of theology survey and, and even as, you know, when you look at that, it can be depressing again, yeah. but, um, but what you just said remains true. So, yeah. uh, we can take heart. Uh, there is a winnowing that's going on. There is a, a div, you know, a division, a shaking that's going on and yet God's, God's in control of all that as well. So, mm-hmm. um, anyway, what a blessing to be a part of a, a church like we're a part of and, and, and yes. to have uh, the people that, that continue to come. And, yeah. and uh, I'm encouraged. I know you guys are too right now with, with the state of our totally. church and the state of, you know, what's going on and how God's using this, the yep. things that are even going on in the community right now yep. um, in both locations and, and the impact we're making is, is, is really exciting. Yeah. Agreed. So. And we know that by the grace of God, we are what we are. Like by yeah. the grace of God, we are yep. the kind of church that we are. Yeah. We think the way we do. His work, not ours. <laughs> we have a value of, of the word. Like th- this is critical to us. That's the grace of God that it's critical to us. Yeah. And so it'll be the grace of God that we continue to you know take these things seriously. Yeah. And we would have never sit around them. patting each other on the back, telling each other what no. a good job we've done. Yep. We all we all recognize that you know that this is God's exactly. work, and we're just we're along for the ride. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Well, that's all I got, guys. Cool. You guys want to pray us out? Hopefully that was helpful. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah, I'll pray. God, thanks for today, and uh, just thanks for the church. Uh, Thank you that you've given us an institution uh, on this side of heaven uh, that we can be a part of and belong to uh, in an institution that uh, hopefully um, just exhibits uh, your goodness and your glory to the world around us. And so help us in our flaws. Help us to... um, just have a right perspective on the flaws of the church. Help us to, to work uh, over time to correct those flaws as much as it is up to us uh, to do that. But more than that, we just pray that the, the truth of the gospel would continue to be proclaimed from Bible-believing churches uh, here locally uh, and globally uh, and everywhere uh, so that people would come to faith in you. We ask, ask it in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Hey, my, uh, my son texted me last night and said he went on to Apple podcast thing to listen to the latest sermon. And uh, it showed that it was our 500th episode, which we didn't start broadcasting the sermons right from the start. But I thought that was pretty cool. A little like, yeah. like 500th sermon. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. So well, I mean, it makes sense if you do. 50. How long have we been recording sermons? I don't remember exactly, but it's just kind of, you know, he saw that and, and you know, oh, said, hey, I thought you'd want to see that. But it's just kind of cool to 500. think 500 sermons. You know, All right. So praise God. Yeah. Wow. Isn't that cool? We've Very lasted cool. longer than we thought we would. <laughs> About 490 sermons longer than we thought we would. If you have questions, get them to us. Yeah, please. All right. Have a great day. Thanks for tuning in to One Decent Pastor. If you'd like more information about the church, go to our website at thedoor3r.org.